Do people even know that the way they're using their email could be putting themselves and their organization at risk from an information governance perspective? Hello, thank you for joining us. This is What Counts, a podcast created by Trailblazer Consulting. Here we highlight proven solutions developed through our experience working with companies across various industries, and we talk about how you can apply these solutions to your company. We share our experience solving information management challenges, like creating and implementing a records retention schedule, creating an asset data hierarchy, or helping with email management. This is Lee, and in this episode, we're going to help you with email management. <laughs> How do you feel about that, Maura? I like it. It's very active and we are here to help. So I'm going to say in answer to your first question, no, people do not think about risk associated with email. I once went to a class where they flashed up on the screen 10 or 12 headlines from the Washington Post, the New York Times, the LA Times, kind of big newspapers. And every one of these headlines was about an email, about an email that uh, I think it was the Microsoft antitrust suit maybe that was going on. This was many years ago. And at the time, everybody was panicking. Oh my gosh, what's going on with email? What are people writing an email? What are we doing? And since then, and this was at least 15 years ago, since then, people are still all caught up in email. When you have a lawsuit, when you have a, a discovery action, email is the first place people go. And they often find some stuff. They find stuff that's old, that might be irrelevant, that's taken out of context, but it's still sitting there. And so you have to produce it and somebody can use it. So if you're just going along in your day, you're busy, you're getting 100 emails a day or more, um, you're getting them on your phone so you don't even have time to file them because you never have time to go back to your laptop or your desk and do the work because you're running around. I know that happens to me and I have to take like a day or sometimes a flight um, to sort out all the emails that have piled up in my inbox. And uh, I think you know that when I do that, you get a lot um, from me. <laughs> things that you have to take care of now that I've passed them on or I've passed them on to some other team member. But that's how everybody operates with email. It's very ephemeral in terms of, I got it, I answered it. Oh, I needed that information. Great, I can go on and do the next thing. It feels fleeting. It feels like a conversation, but it's not. Why not? What do you mean? I'm just not following yet. This email is a key, key tool, like as you just said, to everyday business. It is. It's absolutely key. Even as people move toward collaboration tools and they use the chat functions in Teams or Slack or Jabber, email still is pretty heavily used across industry and across government. The reason it's not the same is because when we're done talking, you hang up the phone and that conversation is gone with the wind. But when you're done reading an email and you shut your phone down or you turn your computer off, that email's still there. It's there in your computer. It's there possibly on your phone. It's on the sender's computer, possibly their phone. It's on a server somewhere. It's on a backup somewhere. And if there were 
more than two people on an email, six or seven people, it's in six or seven places. And if it got forwarded, you don't even know who has it now, who has copies of it. That email has a life of its own. So, so wait a minute, when I delete it, it's not gone? <laughs> this is perfect. This is working out great. When you delete it, you move it out of your inbox. That's all you've done. It then goes to your deleted mail file. And then it depends on how your company has set up the rules around your deleted mail. It might sit there forever. It might never get emptied. It might get emptied every 30 days, 90 days, every year. It all depends on how busy is the email server and how much are they trying to cut down on the proliferation of email. But in fact, it's sitting in multiple places. So it's not like a conversation. However, so people, people think of it as a conversation at first until they need something. And then they go searching through email. How many times do we hear from our clients the first place they look for something is in email? They're treating it like a file cabinet. The danger with that is you get hundreds of emails a day and you file them all or you leave them all sitting in your inbox. I have seen clients that have upwards of 20,000 messages just in their inbox, no folders, no organization. And the only way that they can get through them is by searching. Maybe they search by the person who sent it. Maybe they search by a keyword, but keyword searches are not precise. It'll bring you back, you know, 75 messages and you then have to go look and see oh, this is the one I was thinking of. Well, it's not exactly the one I was thinking of, but it's close enough. And then you start down a path with that. So it's unreliable to search for an email that way and expect to find what you need that you can then depend on to make another decision or take an action. But people do it every day because it's so convenient. You can get it on your phone. You can get it on your laptop. You can send it at any time of the day or night, and then the person will pick it up the next morning or when they check their email and get back to you, and you don't have to catch them when they're available. You can think of something late at night. I know I often think of things late at night and send the message and not have to remember to do it the next day. So convenient, but it just brings with it these challenges of suddenly there are multiple copies. You're trying to find it in by searching by keyword or by looking, you know, sort by person and pick the right one and make a good decision. It's very haphazard. It makes me very nervous. It makes me nervous as a records manager, but it makes me nervous as, I don't know, a person who has to count on my electricity being delivered to the house by a utility company that's doing this or something like that. So we've got a couple of risks here. We've got can't find the right thing can't find the right email in a timely fashion to make a right decision. If people are counting on emails, holding versions of documents that they're all sharing to collaborate on or versions of a spreadsheet, the chances of getting the right version go way down because everybody who had a copy of that thing downloaded it and made changes. And so every time you'd wanted to find the right one, you got to go ask everybody again. And then you have that litigation side, the liability side, where you've got a bunch of emails that can be taken out of context. You were having a conversation and you, and you sent a note that was like, see, I told you so. And what does that mean? <laughs> it comes up in a search at some point and it could be construed in a lot of different ways. So what can we do about it? Well, before we get to that, I just, I was looking up 
every generation uses email and it's increasing uh, baby boomers to generation X to millennials to generation Z so forth and so on everyone uses it the thing that is increasing is the device that they're using email on is definitely going towards smartphones so a risk another risk out there is that if there's if there's information transmitted that smartphone is going to be confiscated when it's a, a serious issue that can be discovered through an email you're right. That's like a personal risk of an employee using their smartphone and hanging on to emails or sending emails. They they may they have that that risk on their own. They're going to lose lose the use of their phone if there's a discovery. That's interesting that you just that you found that Gen Z is also a heavy user of email because you hear anecdotally that Gen Z, you know, prefers Slack or Teams or text with, you know, hardly any punctuation or vowels. And I think that's true from a social perspective, but I think work is still focused on email for, for the most part. I, yeah, I would agree. So back to okay. what, do you, what do you do? Yes. Okay. So now we've got one more risk. We've got that personal, like it's your device. How are you going to do things? We've got the litigation liability risk. We've got the can't find the right thing risk. And we've got the um, sort of the, uh, the efficiency side of things. Okay, so what are we going to do? We recommend these two related paths to our client. The third path we don't recommend. The third path often comes out of desperation. Our email server is overloaded. We just need to get rid of stuff. And you'll start seeing notices like you can't send any more emails until you delete things because your email box is too full. And I've I've encountered that in a couple of places. Or we're just going to impose a 90-day roll-off and that's it. No, no, no alternatives. That's a very, it's a draconian approach. And it, it kind of ignores the fact that email is central to business. And some emails contain business records. Some emails should be saved. They have ongoing value to the company. They provide evidence of transactions, decisions, activities that the organization has taken. The problem is searching and figuring out which ones have that value. So the two related paths that we recommend and that we're going to talk about in future episodes are implementing an email management solution and implementing an enterprise content management solution. And you can do one of these or both of these. And we'll talk about how that works. Sounds like a good plan. All right. Then stay tuned for the next episode to hear more about it. Excellent. If you have any questions on the risks that uh, you may be facing yourself or, or your organization may be facing based on how you treat your emails, please send us an email at info at trailblazer.us.com. Or look us up on the web at www.trailblazer.us.com. Thank you for listening and please tune in to our next episode. Also, if you like this episode, please be a champion and share it with people in your social media network. As always, we appreciate you, the listeners. Special thanks goes to Jason Blake, who created our intro music. Thanks, Lee. See you all next time.